Welcome to hour number two on a Friday on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. How much do you know about K-food? How much hanshik have you eaten? We invite you into the world of Korean food, of course including the history and culture of it. We'll introduce trendy foods and famous restaurants on Dish of the Day with Chef Chung. Jackie Wong's on board from Malaysia saying, Chef Chung, we're truly happy to have you back. Sorry we've been missing out a lot, but we're ready. I've got my coffee and Jal, our little nephew, has his cold milk. Ready, set, go. Fantastic, Jackie. I've missed all of you as well. It's so good to be back. It does seem like it's been an age since we had the video feed on as well. And today is the first day of the whole show and you're lucky enough or maybe unlucky to see me in my unmasked face. And all the listeners were saying, does that mean we see Chef Chung without his mask for the first time? For the very first time. It feels very strange. It's, it feels like it's the first show all over again. Yeah, I felt in hour one like what am I missing? I've got to do something. And I, I realised it was the mask not being here. Mm. I feel something's not right today. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get used to it. You know, absolutely. <laughs> it, it feels strange, uh, but, you know, not bad. That's not for bad. Sure. Not yeah. bad, that's for sure. This is how we were before COVID, right? right? Without masks. I don't believe we've got so used to It's just to a them. testament to just how wonderfully adaptable humans are. Yes. And we've got a photo here from Silver Granny Ooh. Lim before we get into today's hashtag saying, Peter and Matt, I just wanted to show you what I did today. I had some leftover cooked aduki beans that I'd cooked the other day ah. as part of an assignment for a Korean cooking class. So today I took the leftover ones, brought them back up to a boil on the stove, cooked them down until I could easily puree them, added some sugar, a little salt, and I've got, voila, sweet red bean paste. And tomorrow That's I'm beautiful. making butkumi. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, it does look like a real red bean paste. Wow. Mm. Have you ever made that like homemade as well, Matt. Red oh yeah, bean. absolutely. We we generally always have like a bunch of like red bean, like dried red beans at home Ooh. to uh, you know on stock. Uh, my wife loves to bake, uh -huh. and so we you know we we oftentimes will add that to. Uh, we we actually did a um a, a red a red bean a putt a babka, which oh. is um, it, it's a, it's a it's a it's a Jewish uh, was it um east like Eastern European style braided bread. Uh -huh. Most oftentimes it has chocolate or cinnamon in there. Oh, that but it's fantastic good. with uh, red bean. You know, red bean, when I had my British friends over, we saw the, the hodogwaja being cooked on the street mm -hmm. and it was cold winter evening. And so they were like, oh, that looks good. You mm -hmm. know, the breaded. I didn't tell them it was red bean. Right. I said it was chocolate and they ate it <laughs> and they said, oh, that's interesting. But they didn't not think it was chocolate. Like it was just sweet and it was warm. So yeah. they're like, yum. Because <laughs> it's rich and it's creamy on the inside. Yes. I think I think once you get over that mental hurdle of being a bean, Mm -hmm. Because outside of Asia, you know, beans aren't considered a sweet. Yes. <laughs> but they're eaten as a dessert all throughout Asia. Absolutely. You know, especially if you go down to Southeast Asia, what mm. is it? And um, and the Philippines as well. You'll see all different types of beans and, and Chinese cuisine as well being yeah. used in sweet applications. And yeah, once you open your mind up, then you have this whole other world of sweets that are available to you. Yeah, it really is something that you just need to get past that psychological barrier. And I will admit, it took me years to get past but now <laughs> i enjoy it uh today's food not related to beans i don't think it's thought of to relieve flu or cold symptoms either no but you know what it'll, it'll pick you up anytime oh it, nice know. so what are we talking about today? we're talking about chono which oh. is a type of fish it's also known as 
the gizzard shad. Okay. It's a beautiful seasonal delicacy. It's in season right now. We have uh -huh. a photo for you in a little bit. It's very small. Yeah. Yeah, so if you look at the photo, it's about the size of your palm. Okay, mm -hmm. and it doesn't look like... There aren't too many distinguishing features. I don't think I'd be able to say, oh, that's a gizzard shed on the sure. end of my fishing uh, rod. Size is uh -huh. probably its most distinguishing feature. Okay. Just in terms of the fish that we eat, there there aren't too many that fall in this like palm size. Maybe mm. chogi is another one that falls in to yeah. this category. But mo you know, most of them tend to be much larger, like uh, you know, mackerel all the way to like a giant cod sure. or a halibut or a salmon, or much smaller like mirchi, mm. which are you know the size of your pinky. Oh, but that's so a I, good guess, way. I guess I guess um, the size might be the only distinguishing factor. Okay, and it's in season right now. That's right. Okay, mm -hmm. I've and seen lots of places advertise it. Yeah, and like a lot of places, um, there are a lot of fish places, for example, where it's now their, their seasonal menu. It's not mm -hmm. on their menu all the time. Yeah. Oftentimes you'll have to call ahead. Um, as <laughs> you know, we experienced about a week ago, we wanted to go out for the channel yeah. and then we get there all sold out. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. Because, yeah, it does seem to be one of those dishes that is seasonal and people want to have it just to kind of like tick it off their list. Mm -hmm. And so it will sell out because it's live in the tanks outside. We've got a photo of that, right? There's one place right next to my mum's. That's right. And they're often kind of swimming in all sorts of directions, <laughs> upside down, and they don't look too healthy, but then they're served like straight away. That's right. And that's how you can have it raw because you can have it raw or uh, grilled. Mm -hmm. And the ones that have it live in front of the tank, well, most oftentimes they will, uh, they, they will serve it to you raw and it's beautiful that way. The reason why it's so good right now is because, okay, so they lay their eggs in March to June, okay. and after they give birth to the eggs, they start to eat for the winter. You know, so so the so the new batch, the new the new the freshman class of that year <laughs> are all fattening up. Yeah. And by this time in the fall, they have you know they're 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 really at their peak uh you know peak health and Ooh. you know because they you know and they're extra fatty and oily right now. They're not expensive. They're okay. about fifteen thousand to three uh, to thirty thousand won per kilogram. So a little less than fifteen to thirty dollars U.S. dollars per kilogram. Uh huh. This is a great deal. I mean, yeah. you can end up getting maybe about five of them for, oh. you know, about three bucks. Yeah, that's pretty good. I have seen some places advertise some rather larger ones, so maybe the size of a bigger palm of a hand mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for a little more on that scale, maybe towards the 30000 That's right? right. The larger ones and the and the live ones tend to be a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. And the larger ones, so one of the, th yeah, we'll talk a little about this later, but the larger ones too are generally more suitable for grilling just uh -huh. because the bones tend to be a little bit more developed and um, and a little bit harder to chew through. Oh. Um, and chana is also kind of, it's kind of also a culturally important fish too, it, because it appears in a couple of uh, very well-worn sayings that, oh. we, that we'll have here okay. in Korea. What are those? So, chana kumnen nemsenen jip naganen myonorido toraoge handa. So, the smell of a chana being grilled yep. is enough to bring home a runaway daughter-in-law. <laughs> and so I guess the connotation there is there's not much that will bring back a runaway daughter-in-law, but... <laughs> but when you smell this fish being grilled, it's intoxicating. It Does smells... it have a particularly good grilled it smell? It does, then? because oh. it's oily, right? Okay. So it, it smells... For the for lack of better words, it's just very grilly. Like it has, <laughs> it, it, it it kicks up a great amount of smoke, oh. and it's and and it's so it, it's so enticing. It smells almost like um like a campfire by the beach. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've 
think I've only had it raw. My father-in-law took me in one of my first years here. He was like, it's in season. He's a big fishing freak as mm-hmm. well. And he took me to a place and it was nice, but there was no scent when it's raw, right? It's right, just... when it's raw. It's more about the texture. Uh-huh. And um, and the other saying that kind of revolves around Chana, you know, it, and this is uh, one that kind of speaks to his seasonality. 가을 전어 머리에는 깨가 한 된다 되다. So it means that basically the 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 전어 it's so oily and nutty and savory. It's yeah. almost like sesame seeds. Oh, mm-hmm. I see the 깨 there, the mm-hmm. sesame seeds. That's how savory and nutty it is, especially the autumn one. And so this fish, I don't think I've heard the English name until I came here. Right? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it it doesn't it doesn't have the most flattering name. It's known as a gizzard shad. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound appetizing. So is it only around here? Because I don't think they eat it in the UK, maybe. So it's a Pacific uh, fish okay. in terms of the freshwater, uh, the seawater fish. Mm-hmm. But in the, in America, you have the American gizzard shad, which is a freshwater fish. Oh, wow. It's not widely eaten. It's uh, it's it's one, again, I think you know if you're a fisherman or uh-huh. if you are into aquaponics, which is a style of gardening yeah. that essentially uses a fish tank. Yeah. And they basically use the waste produced by the fish as a natural fertilizer. Oh, And wow. it's this kind of complete cycle. It's a really cool way of gardening uh-huh. that really cuts down amount of waste like the water it can be used for both the fish and irrigation you're using the wastewater wow. and then by the end of it you're left with both fish and vegetables i see that's pretty cool isn't it um yeah so you might not have heard of it guys you might not have tried it but uh, we'll get into how it's eaten the flavors and whatnot in our next parts as well uh, let us know some fish that is maybe seasonal for you in the autumn time because i uh, am I right in saying autumn is quite a peak time for a lot of seafood in terms yes. of coming into season, right? And I, I think the the rule of the thumb rule of thumb is is basically, you know, you you when you get fish, right, you, you keep it on ice. Mm-hmm. You, you you want to keep it fresh as long as possible. Yeah, a large part of that is just because seawater temperatures are, are colder than land temperatures, uh-huh. and the bacteria that's in them they basically they they thrive when it's warmer and they mm-hmm. go bad faster. And essentially, when it's colder, fish thrive more, yeah. and so that's why you tend to get more seafood in the it was in the winter times. Mm-hmm. Also, because a lot of different fish, things like oysters and like chana, like that we show that we see here, yeah. they spawn in uh, during the spring and the summer months. Ah. So they're a little bit flabbier. All their nutrients are kind of going towards reproduction. Mm-hmm. Now is the time when you know it's it's graduation season. They're Fantastic. all having a great time, and we're here to take advantage of it. <laughs> by eating them all up. Mm-hmm. Lots of messages. Grumpy gnome says that he knows that gizzard shad as a good bait fish mm-hmm. to catch other larger fish as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And uh, Brian's saying it's lobster season where I am in the States. Oh. Sounds like a good season. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try. Uh, oh, yeah. Seasonal lobster. Mm, nothing better. Uh, Tropic Girl, uh, thank you, Matt, for telling us the size as it looks like those little aquarium guppies. Yeah, it's basically kind of a larger version of that. Mm. Brings back a runaway daughter-in-law. You know, some people might want their, not want their <laughs> daughter-in-law to come back. <laughs> you you are true there. Uh, Silver Granny Lynn saying, Kingfish and Snapper are in season over here in North Carolina. Ooh. Kingfish? I don't think I've had Kingfish. That sounds rather regal and royal. Let us know what that tastes like too. Cisco Giovanni says, I love that fish. I asked the emo in the resto when I was in Korea for the, uh, for the fish name, but I keep forgetting it again when I wanted to order the next time. Yeah, it's Chana. Chana. Is, you know, that's today's fish. And you've got to be here in, in the autumn time. 
I don't think you see it on the menus, right? In spring. And no, summer. no. It's again, again, it's highly seasonal, and the season is rather short. So mm. you almost rarely find places that um, that have it on their regular menu, and it's you know there'll be a uh, you know they'll add it you know like on a little, with a little post-it note or something. Yeah, you know? the seafood place near my mum's house. They just have a dedicated like meter high poster that they put outside. And yes. that shows it's Chana season. I think they recycle that every year as well. Uh, Steve saying my favorite fish varieties are Alaskan cod, rockfish, snapper, and mahi mahi. Ooh, someone's got a snazzy taste there. What's mahi mahi? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Mahi mahi is a fish. Uh, I, I I don't think you find it too much on you know this side of the Pacific, uh-huh. but I think you find it a lot in the East Pacific, more towards uh, like Hawaii and um and uh, the the West Coast of the United States. It's exotic States. looking. It's delicious. Could it's very steaky, very meaty. Wow, it looks pretty huge. Some of the photos I've seen of anglers catch it, and it looks like almost a monster out mm-hmm. of the, the ocean. I've never seen that fish in my life. Uh, we're talking about Jono, though, and the first way we're going to talk about eating it is the way that I've tried it then. It had bones and all, to be honest. That's right, and that is part of the style. So we have a photo for you right now of Jono He. This mm-hmm. is raw Jono. So it's, you know, they keep the skin on, yeah. and uh, the, the fish it it's what we call in korea very tenger tenger head it's almost got a snap to it <laughs> uh-huh a little yeah. bounce in it it's and a little b- bounce it's oily it's very rich and so when the type that you had is this type here is hekoshi uh-huh. so it's cut with the bones and it's cut diagonally along the fish basically yeah. uh perpendicular to the bone so the bones are cut into small pieces yeah the bones themselves are very tender they're uh-huh. they're you know they're not ones that are re- really likely to get caught in your throat and when they're cut that small yeah you can chew right through them yeah i i have seen you know when you get the kwang or that that type of flat fish mm-hmm. that you often have a little segment on the side of the dish where they've still got some bones from the side. Yeah, right? so for, so from right like along along the top of that uh, the the fin or the yeah that's style that's called tekoshi style. Yeah, and I always avoid that mm. part. So when my father-in-law took me here and all the parts had the bones in, <laughs> I had no choice but to chew through them. But the texture is it's really interesting because they're still bones. Sure, but they, like you said, they don't get stuck in your throat. I, I will say personally, maybe I need to try it a few more times. I didn't enjoy or love the experience. Well, think about it this way. So one of the reasons why you eat it with the bone mm-hmm. is kind of like why you would eat chicken on the bone. Mm. It's because those bones just give it a little bit more flavor. Oh. It is more flavorsome eating it with the bones. Uh-huh. Mm. And and being that small as well, I'm guessing it's going to be a pain in the bottom to take out all the bones. It is a pain, but it's not impossible. Oh. So, you know, there is uh, like channel, just like Hey, there's not really a term for it, so we have a photo over here. Uh-huh. So you can see the, they've been filleted off the sides and then cut into small strips. Oh. So it is available without the bones, and a oh. lot of people will do this. And sometimes you have to ask because uh-huh. most people opt to have it with the bones, uh-huh. and the people who get it without the bones are generally the. Um, actually, I just found this out are mm-hmm. the are like elderly customers, ones oh. with bad teeth that have trouble chewing through the bones. Okay, so they've got a good reason not to mm-hmm. want to have the bones. It's not being fussy or anything. Right. Right, so there's no real term for boneless style. It's just 
Sunsarpei, right? So like, yeah. I decided to call it Sunsarpei, so, okay. which is kind of the term you use for boneless chicken. Yeah, when you get fried chicken. You yeah, go so for I guess sunsar. like fish tenders. I guess is what it would be. That's um, a good way to think of it, though, Matt. You're right. Chicken on the bone, I way prefer. So I never get sunsar. Right. And then with steak as well, I like the cuts with the bones in them, right? The T-bone steak, the ribeye, or something like and that. And it's the exact same thing with the fish. I've never thought of it that way. And with bigger fish, I'm totally all about having the bones in with a mackerel and I'll just take off the the meat. But with China, I guess, because I'm eating it, it's a little different. I don't mind right. it so much. What is it called? Gongchi. Gongchi, right. When you have that in kind of, is that is that a sardine kind of thing? Herring. Herring. There mm-hmm. you go. In a kind of uh, dukbegi, in the stone bowl with a bit of kimchi and stuff. Mm-hmm. There, because it's been cooked, the mm-hmm. bones seem to be almost tender in right, a way, right right but with the chana when it's not cooked it's not quite that way but you can have it differently but still raw as well right and uh, we've we've mentioned this style of cooking before but it's a muchim mm-hmm. so uh, it's basically when you throw it, when you toss it in seasoning like a gochujang uh, based uh, dressing of sorts and then yeah you just kind of you, you just kind of eat it by the scoopful oh and mm-hmm. and you can see there there's still little bits of raw chana just mixed in together yeah you have slivers of raw garlic onion so a lot of crunch, a lot of different textures going on, oh, and yeah, it's a, and the chana itself, it's very flavorful as well. So it stands up to a very aggressive seasoning like that. So, so with the raw chana, is it a, a unique taste? Because I always feel like a lot of the whitey kind of fishes. This isn't quite white; it's a bit like pink as well. They have a similar kind of just not too stimulating flavor. right and so this one it's it's similar but it's more on the oily scale uh-huh. so if uh say like uh, raw mackerel is something that's too fishy for you yes this is a happy medium uh-huh. this is right between say mackerel and like a sole okay mm-hmm. yeah because i do like the fishiness of a mackerel so maybe this is more my thing as well john mm-hmm. being in the middle is there a good way to pick a good chana? Yes. So the way they say to do it is that the belly should be bright silver for the ones with uh, for their hue, right? Ah. But almost all chana have silver bellies. <laughs> but They're, super silver. Right. What you should be looking for, though, is the way you actually tell fe- uh, freshness for most fish. Yeah. There's that saying, the fish rots from the head. Oh. And you know, oftentimes that's a metaphor for like an organization sure. or like a, you know, a corruption uh, start, starting from the top. Is it true? But it's true. So oh. it, it starts because uh, fish that have been gutted and cleaned in the market, yeah. their eyes should be clean, uh, clear uh-huh. and not bloodshot. Okay. And the gills. So if you open up that uh, thing right by the cheeks, yeah. should be bright red and not brown. Oh, inside there. If because, you take a yes, peek. Those are the two parts that will oxidize the fastest. Oh. And those are the two most telling signs of a fish's freshness. And of course, always choose with your nose as well. Wow. If it smells like something you don't want to <laughs> eat, then you probably don't want to eat it raw. Absolutely, right? So that goes for anything, I suppose. Any fish that you're going to eat, even not raw, if you want to choose a fresh one, look at the eyes and the if gills. If it has eyes, yeah look, uh, yeah, look at the eyes and the gills. Fantastic yeah. tip. Now, all about Korea. Arirang Radio. Dish of the day was Chef Chung in the studio, and uh, I was just sharing with Matt my time with Jongwan Sunim, uh, which I shared you. with you guys as well, and the, the deliciousness of it. And you mentioned, like, it's kind of similar to fine dining in how stripped back it is, right? Maybe mm-hmm. they're the original fine diners' temples. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, there's a there, there's a chef uh, in New York, uh, Eric Repera, a very, very famous French chef, mm-hmm. and he quote-unquote discovered Jongwan, like, oh. or it's basically introduced her to, to the... 
to the to the Western culinary world wow. as a revelation because yeah the way that they treat the 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 ingredients with such reverence and just do very simple elegant preparations like you said is yeah. very much kind of in the vein of like the original find like, idea of fine dining yeah I saw him on the flicks uh, documentary really bigging her up and bringing people over to her temple mm-hmm. to see the garden and stuff like that it was amazing I'm sure one day we can talk more about that as well loads of messages coming in I'll, I'll oh, give you phenomenal. a few okay. uh, Raul saying yeah I'm not really a fan of the bones either but in Argentina autumn and winter delicacies are maybe carp and trout here I wonder if you're talking fresh water fish as well there Raul perhaps I think they're famous in the UK for being some fresh water offerings that's right yeah carp and uh, carp and trout generally freshwater fish we find them here in Korea as well mm. actually in the 70s up until the 70s uh, the Han River was full of carp oh wow mm-hmm. these days maybe not so much I don't know maybe it's getting cleaner again. it's, it's gotten much cleaner <laughs> there was actually a point in the 70s where they there was a turning point and they realized oh things had to change but yes yeah, so it's much cleaner now uh, Jackie Wong says gizzard chat almost so many species all taste the same which one chef i can't help you with that one there just because in korea Mm. we don't really differentiate between the different species but um that is something to look into if i remember to i'll try to get back to you next week um i am hopeless in frying fish chef can you help uh yes okay okay so this is one thing i'll always i'll I'll always kind of recommend Mm -hmm. non-stick pans okay treat them like razors oh they are disposable they uh-huh. like because that coating comes off over time, and you do not want to ingest that. Co- you don't, or rather, you don't want that coating to flake off because generally that means that you're heating it too high. That's uh-huh. when the vapors come off. Uh-huh. Get a cheap, does not have to be expensive, the cheapest possible nonstick pan that you have, uh-huh. and just keep that for frying fish. Oh, really? Yes, that's it'll, your frying ne- fish. It'll, pan. Ne- it'll never <laughs> stick. Uh-huh. And it, that, and if you just use that for frying fish, that means none of your other food will taste like fried fish. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah, well, I think my wife does that, and I often thought, why? But she really is sensitive to the smell of fish, and she can taste it when she cooks like meat in there or something. 100%. Dedicated fish pan. <laughs> nice tip. Jenga says, I was a bit in and out, but I wonder what the taste of the fish we're talking about today is like because i'm super not really into seafood but i will eat fish that doesn't have a strong ocean taste Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh what would you say with jono is it the same grilled as well kind of a mid-range one in terms of mid-range one yeah so not again not not like quite like a herring Mm -hmm. but a little bit a little bit brinier a little bit oilier than a halibut uh sherry osborne says okay i'm all homeworked out now now i can focus properly on the show welcome back (laughs) i love fish but too many bones really turns me off i love mackerel but holy heck the bones (laughs) A little tip: if you gr- if you grill mackerel at home, mm. if you basically if you kind of make a a small incision along the tops and the bottoms yeah. of the fish, right, um, right along the the spine on towards the flesh. Yeah. After you cook it, you can almost pull them out whole. Oh, like the top little yeah, bones and yeah, the bottom yeah. little so ones. So basically, you kind of want to you want to you want to kind of you, you kind of want to cut along the make an incision along the spine. It's kind of hard to describe without. But if you if you look it up online, you can find a lot of videos that basically like how to prepare boneless mackerel. And Ooh. there might be you might be able to find a couple that show a style of preparation where you're just able to pull those bones out. Well, that's a good tip. 
Derek has sent in this brilliant photo, saying these are a couple of old photos of my wow. dad, who was a fisherman. We had some amazing and fresh seafood many nights growing up. Didn't realise at the time how fortunate that was. Uh, he's on the right in each of these photos, and the second photo that we can show that is a type of grouper wow. fish. Wow, that's pretty big, isn't it? Oh, grouper is phenomenal. It's such a it's it's such a good fish. It's you know you can you can find find them find a lot of grouper like off the coast of Florida. Oh. They are very much a luxury fish. Do they taste Korea. good? They are. It's if if cooked <laughs> properly. Here's the yeah. thing: if not cooked properly, uh, grouper can be a little bit tough. Okay. But if you go to a good restaurant that knows what they're doing, yeah. it is. Top top five fish for me. Oh grouper. wow! Mm. And you can get it here in Korea, but it's very much a luxury one. Very much a luxury <sighs> fish out oh, here. Nice mm. stuff. And we got this from Tropic Girl as well. So many photos of fish here. Thank you for sending them in. You said uh, the fish Matt is showing us resembles very much what St. Lucians call sardines, but aren't like cold water sardines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here are some caught fresh, and I took Ooh. home to fry, but some fine bones in there, mm-hmm. all deep fried as well. And yeah, they do kind. Kind of resemble a little bit here, yeah, the yeah. gizzard shad, and then some other photos. You said we have box fish, which must be cleaned carefully, just like lionfish, or you can be seriously poisoned. What on earth is that? I was about to say, yeah, the sh- everything from the shape has hexagonal uh, <laughs> scales. Yeah, and it looks almost like a leather bag or something. And you said uh, they're sold on the roadside seasonally, and you also like baking some red snapper you've showed us mm. in the foil as well. Wow, there's such a variety in that ocean, right? That sometimes I feel you don't know what you're eating, but as long as it tastes good to me. I was about to say, you know, the one, one thing that always kind of makes me, you know, it makes me, I, one of the reasons why I believe that there has to be life out in the universe, uh-huh. look how bizarre <laughs> the oceans are. Yes, yes, that's mm. so true. If that's uh, how weird it gets this close to us, imagine how weird it gets further away. And then the last photos were just locals frying fish. Thanks for all of those as well. So we're going to get to the grilling side of things. Yeah, now, so thank you for all your photos. And- and now it's time for me to show uh, show me grilling some fish. Oh, now. you doing it in person? Me doing it in person. So we have a little channel ASMR. Oh, lovely stuff. We have to get really close to the mic right now. Okay. So you can cook it at home. I've I've never had it at home. Oh, it's, very, it's it's very easy to do at home. I, okay. I'm actually walking you through almost the entire process, you know, just because it's that simple. So okay. yeah, you just take off uh, the fins. Easiest mm-hmm. to do with a pair of scissors. Nice. And that's just because they'll you know they'll tend to burn okay. fast, uh, a little bit faster. And uh, you know you might also even like prick yourself um, on them. They can get uh, quite sharp. Almost well, these like a decent size as well. Though. Yeah. So you generally want the bigger ones mm-hmm. for uh, for for cooking. Yeah, and the smaller ones are, you know, and that's not a hard and fast rule. Uh-huh. And then you've just scored them there. That's right. Just you know, just to make sure that a uh, these don't get really salted beforehand. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know, the salt penetrates all the way through, mm-hmm. and then also it just cooks evenly that way as well. Look, even your cuts look so much better than what I could ever do, I feel <laughs> Anyone can do this. You could train a monkey to do this. And then salting. Mm-hmm. So you're putting it inside as well, in yeah. the bellies. You know, salt it inside and out, try to get it, you know, try to get as much seasoning as possible. Have they been deboned then by somebody no. else? Nope. These no. are these these still have the bones in oh, them. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the middle. 
Yeah. Have you cut them open at the belly then? Yes, I cut them open in the in on in the belly. I did okay. that the night before. And yeah, so that's the one part that I didn't show you was cleaning them, but make a small incision. Alright, now we're gonna take these outside and grill them. Yeah. Oh, let's pull it all out. You've got an outside grilling area, Matt. Mm -hmm. I am very jealous mm -hmm. of that for starters. So where are we going to be grilling them? On... So, yeah, right in my backyard uh -huh. uh, was it. I just set up a little small charcoal uh, grill out there. Oh. And yeah, and one of the reasons why is just because a you know anything cooked over a fire is you know, is going to be better. Is it common to have it grilled over like charcoals at the restaurants, or are they just grilling it willy nilly out back? Oftentimes they're grilling it. Uh, was it on a, on a grill out back? Oh, okay. uh, but um, but they, these are also beautiful uh, either like broiled so under the under the grill in the oven uh -huh. uh, or in a pan as well, oh. or just over a gas grill is fine too. Okay, so let's take a look at the outside of. Matt's place. Well, that's a beautiful little patio area. Yeah, have, we Matt. got very, very lucky with this one. <laughs> okay. And so just uh, getting the charcoal started. Oh, nice. One thing that's really nice about Korea is just the availability of natural hardwood charcoal. Almost ready. Because we use it so much for the barbecues mm -hmm. right here. Okay, we've got the coals ready. Oh, this looks great. Oh, look at that. <laughs> the coals just burning under the barbecue. You put a little grill on. And yeah, and these grill just like that. They just take a few minutes on each side. So, you know, you don't you, you want you want to uh, get the grill, you know, the coals nice and hot. Uh-huh. And then they cook right away. So, it's good for gatherings as well once those start happening again, just Absolutely. because you can just get them off the grill right away and just, you know, keep feeding your guests. So, just a few minutes on each side. Mhm. Mm and you you can do this in your fish pan if you mm -hmm. have one. Is is doggy yes, getting excited? He was, yeah, he was very very unhappy about me not sharing. <laughs> do, do dogs? Because I've never had one. Do they eat fish as well? My dog eats fish. Wow, <laughs> he definitely loves fish. Amazing. Okay, so a couple of minutes on both sides. They're looking nice and brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're not too sticky on the grill. They're, they stuck a little bit, but okay. generally they're very oily, so they, so they come off pretty well. Oh, wow, look at yeah. that. The skin's nice and brown inside. It's all turned white as well. Mm -hmm. But the whole process, start to finish, took me well under an hour. I'd say about 40 minutes, and okay. most of that was just getting the, the coals lit. Oh, look at that. It looks brilliant. Mm -hmm. Do we get to see you trying it now? Mm -hmm. Okay. Chopsticks, I would say, are so good for eating fish. Yeah. Like, easier than a fork. Oh. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I was actually, good. I'm pretty good. I was actually, because I hadn't had it in I mean, a year. I, I was so. genuinely surprised just because I forgot how good chana is. It kind of looks almost like that could be a grilled yeah. mackerel, like a little mini one. Yeah, it, a mackerel or chogi or yeah. kribi that we eat here in Korea too. Yeah, very, very much yeah. along those lines. See you back in the studio. Oh. Oh. So grilled, you would say, better than raw? I, I, I'm team grilled. Team. I think I think people have very strong opinions on this one way or another. Uh -huh. And my strong opinion is that I love it grilled. Uh, my mother loves it uh, raw. My wife is team grilled. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, this might split our families apart. And in that case, though, you don't eat the bones, right? Usually with the grilled you ones. You can if they're oh. smaller, like those. Uh, uh -huh. But now that we're into November, the bones are generally a little bit bigger, more developed. And the good thing is that the bigger they are, the easier they are to eat around. Yes. So it's kind of a win-win when they're 
small like that, yeah. like uh, like you mentioned with gongqi with uh, with herring, you can bite through them. Yeah. But when they're bigger, they're easy to pick out. Yeah, it kind of just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, if they're too small to pick out, they're fine to eat. And mm-hmm. if they're big enough to pick around, they're they're big enough to do that way. Matt, thank you so much. Everyone says looks lovely. We need to go to your house for a party. Says Stacy. Everyone's as invited. Well. Yay! We'll see you again next Friday, Matt. See thank you then. You. You can listen to Dish of the Day with Chef Chung every Friday at 10am KST on Hashtag Daily K.